Okay, how you doing? Hello? Uh, I'm Lloyd, and we're going to watch this movie Cocoon. It's about a group of older people who go to outer space. I hope I didn't give anything away there. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the pop culture. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pumping, nuclear brain damage. And the love. Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? We'd like to rent your boat. You what? We'd like to rent your boat. We'd like to rent your boat for 27 days, if that wouldn't be too long for you. 27? That's my lucky number. Well, by golly, if our new neighbor's going to do that, I don't feel a bit bad about sneaking in their swimming pool while they're gone. You think it's safe? What are they going to do, arrest us? Why don't you let us explain? Because I don't want to know anything. And if you try to eat my face off or take over my body, you're going to be very sorry, mister. You're going to be very sorry. Face eating, Jeff? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And don't let the weepy montage fool you. I am very excited on the 25th anniversary of Cocoon. You too? You got a bone or two? Blue steel. Cat couldn't scratch it. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> with me as always, he's the Jessica Tandy to my Hume Cronin, Sean Daly. Let's grow old together, baby. Come on. You I and f- me. I feel kind of older than Wilford Brimley at the moment. <laughs> Who's in better shape? <laughs> Me you or Wilford Brimley? Brimley could probably kick your ass in Greco-Roman wrestling. He's probably one of those guys who's like 97. Rub- Come here, you whippersnapper. Rubbery. Real rubbery. Yeah, guy. yeah. You can't pin Will- uh, Brimley down. Then he gets you with that big brush of a mustache. Yeah, it's a secret weapon. Yeah. yeah. Well, he brings up the co- stash you're done. It was for me in college, too. The, the weapon, I used to call it. <laughs> the weapon. Now it's something different. That's a great <laughs> nickname for the ladies. They call me the weapon. <laughs> So, uh, Cocoon turns 25 years old in yes. June, uh, and um, it was shot here in St. Petersburg, Florida, of all places. That is the hook, indeed. And that's why we love it so much. That's why I love it so much, because I grew up here. St. Petersburg is close to home. It is my home now, and uh, we love it when Hollywood comes to uh, Florida. Small town. It is, small, it, is, it is kind of a small town. We're a bit with the twelfth biggest media market, and yet we really feel like uh, dog patch a little bit. <laughs> well, a lot of people remember. I mean, twenty five years ago, thirty years ago, St. Petersburg and 
And really, a lot of Florida was considered just like a retirement haven. And then I moved in, and, suddenly, and all of a sudden, it was like, you Bologna know. Sp- sales spiked. <laughs> This is like uh, the Big Apple South. Well, anyway, we have a ringer. We're bringing in a ringer. I'm going to step out, and the great film critic uh, Steve Persall is going to come in. And Steve Persall did this huge, uh, huge feature on Cocoon. It's 25th anniversary, and he talked to a lot of the stars. So we're going to talk to him in a second. But we're going to do a little setup here, and then we're going to come back after Mr. Persall uh, waxes poetically. And we're going to do a little thing called the Seggies. We're also going to talk about our upcoming Vegas trip. We have a couple great letters to read. We'll, and, talk, we'll uh, talk a little bit about show number 200. Show number 200, the fallout. <laughs> what we remember of it. Uh, why Kathy refuses to talk to either of us. No, that's not true. I'm that's, just stirring just, stuff just up. Me. But first of all, Cocoon, in 1985, there was nothing novel about an alien movie. Practically everything in the 80s was an alien movie. By that time, we had had tons of alien movies, outer space movies, you know, E.T. set the bar, every, Close Encounters, whatever. So by then, it's like, geez, another, you know, space movie. Uh, but Ron Howard and his team, they were so smart, they put this really unique... Um, uh, you know, heart tugging spin on the alien movie, right? Yeah, because you cast with senior citizens, and you have the special effects laden movie that is laden with um, old Hollywood actors, right? Wilford Brimley, uh, Don Amici, um, Maureen Stapleton. I would bet that most '80s fans who saw this movie then, or even now wouldn't have recognized or wouldn't have really known most of those actors. I mean, uh, Don Amici would appear again in. Um the Eddie Murphy movie Trading Places. I believe Trading Places already went down before that. You're day. right, 1983. Yeah. So he's kind of he's kind of been around. Wilford Brimley's doing oatmeal commercials at that point in his life. <laughs> he still is, I think. Yeah. Isn't he? I mean, you know, Hume Cronin was sort of out. I mean, Jessica Tandy would make one more comeback in the late 80s with uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy, right? But for the most part, you're right. So what? What Ron it was Howard? Smart. Ron yeah. Howard. But what Ron Howard does it super smart is he says, "Yeah, I'll do this movie about senior citizens and aliens, but it's got to be about characters. Right? It can't be about." Necessarily, the storyline or the plot or the special effects, which, by the way, were all George Lucas, Industrial Light yeah. and Magic, pre-digital. It's got to be about characters. And his right. idea was, let's take these seniors, let's turn it into the Twilight Zone. Let's take these r- very ordinary people and put them in very extraordinary situations. Right. It's beautifully happens. shot. I mean, St. Petersburg, um, for as sleepy as we are, is a, is a beautiful place. The beaches are great, um, especially on the edges of Pinellas County where we are. It's incredibly cinematic. And uh, there's that one scene, and you played the clip, when Wilford Brimley is, uh, I believe, fly fishing with his uh, nephew or his grandson, right? right? He's fishing, and he says, uh, you know, he's explaining what's going to happen. He's going to leave. And uh, and Mr. Persall is going to talk about that in a second, but he says, uh, you know, we won't get any older and we won't ever die. I just love that scene. And I was asking Persall, where was that shot? And he didn't know specifically. Yeah. I almost like not knowing. But I, I, I'm going to find it one day. I'm going to break down. I'm going to sob. It's such a beautiful shot. And as he's going to tell you, there was a writer's strike. And a lot of that, uh, what Wilford Brimley was saying, was um, ad-libbed. Ad-libbed. Um, and he said, I just want to talk to the boy, right? That's what right. he told. And it was, it's just a powder keg of a scene. It really, really is, because it might as well be that he's saying goodbye as well. It's about, you know, getting older and stuff like that. So, yeah, so you had this uh, special effects movie, a lot of humor, but really character and story and heart drive it. And we went to the theater. We're like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable, right? There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Did you, did you actually see the theaters? Absolutely, 100%. I did not. I was, for some reason, okay, 1985, I'm in college with my mustache, mm-hmm. and the last thing I want to do 
is go see a movie about my hometown with a bunch of old folks. Interesting, right? I mean, I would rather watch Top Gun or Back to the Future or friggin' Teen Wolf than watch Don Amici jump into a pool over and over again. So I didn't see it till I think 1989. I remember renting it on uh, home video and watching it by myself in my my very lonely one bedroom apartment, which sounds feels a lot like how my life is now. Yes, and I remember watching and just sobbing. Of course you did. Of course you cried, Steve. <laughs> You said you cried. I did too, but of course you cried. You cried Family Feud. Well, you never because someone has to lose. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was great. Yeah, I loved it. It still holds up today. Some of the special effects are a little clunky, but um, I'm really I'm really creeped out by things that are underwater. You know, and the oh, pods yeah. underwater, like the whole thing is just. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but it's just something about that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm weird about stuff like that. So uh, I, I love that. We found – Steve Persall is going to tell you all the stuff. They found the house where it was shot. Uh, Brian Denny, he has, uh, you know, he has some great stories. So why don't we kick it into you and Mr. Persall chatted earlier today, and uh, let's do it. A man who has lived and breathed Cocoon for the last two months – I give you Times film critic Steve Persall. Thank you, thank you. I'm just occupying Sean's seat. He's getting his computer fixed. He's got a worn-out eye key on there, so he's got to get that fixed so he can get back to work. Oh, nice blow at Sean's ego. The, um, the movie Cocoon turns 25 years old this month. Right. And um, a lot of people don't know. It's, it's, probably, it's not up there in the pantheon of 80s movies like Breakfast Club or 16 Candles or Ferris Bueller. But particularly special to uh, Mr. Persall and myself because it was filmed right here in St. Petersburg, right. Florida. It's, it's, it's one of those few movies, just about the only movie, where St. Petersburg is identified as St. Pete. I mean, we've, we've uh, posed as Miami before. We've posed as South American countries before. But this is when we actually got billed as St. Petersburg. So it makes it a little bit special. Right. It's, it's also sort of a time capsule because – uh, St. Petersburg always has had that uh, that image of being a retiree community. This was at that peak of uh, senior citizenhood here. Uh, but now since we've grown, grown uh, a bit younger, since we've got uh, a little bit more vibrancy with the sports and the museums and all this kind of stuff, it really is just a, 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 a time capsule of where we were then. So you talked to some of the stars in the movie, including uh, Brian Dennehy, who plays Walter, the head alien. What did he have to say? Dennehy is one of the one of the uh, one of several people who I talked to involved with the Cocoon production. Uh, what a trip! You know, uh, what did he say? What, what did what were, what were Dennehy's memories of making this movie? Dennehy, Dennehy, of course, remembered a lot of great things about the town. What I talked to him most about though was uh, something that I thought he would want to forget, but he he, he beat me to the question. He, um, he actually had a, a night where he and Steve Gutenberg were out on the town and got a little bit too. Uh, too uh, in, in, yeah, intoxicated, let's say. Are you saying he was busted for a DUI? He was B, uh, DWI, it was at that time. He was uh. driving while intoxicated, and it was actually a misdemeanor at that time, too. So all he had to do was spend a night in the city drunk tank uh, over there, and he, he was posing for pictures with some of the cops and signing autographs <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Got up the next day. Well, I thought, when I'm talking to him on the phone, I'm going to bring this up, and I'm nervous. I mean, he's 71 years old, but you know, he's a pretty imposing kind of guy, you know, this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't want to get him mad at me. So I, but I said, you know, one thing I've got to talk to you about, something that happened to you down here. He says, oh, you mean the DUI? <laughs> he was just like, he beat me to the punch with it. Talked very candidly about it. He said, um, I, he, I really like the fact that he, he admitted that Gutenberg was in the car with him. He says, you know, it didn't worry me at all, but Gutenberg was really panicked about the whole thing, too. So I can just sort of see the goot. Um, but I did get a chance to talk to the goot. Uh, and uh, he had he had a lot of nice memories about uh, you know visiting the Dolly Museum and some of the places around town. Uh, Gutenberg was brought in by director Ron Howard 
I think mainly as the comic relief aspect of what is essentially a science fiction movie. Yeah, but he's also – you talk about appealing to the youth market as Hollywood does. He was one of the biggest stars of the, of the decade between the Police Academy series, the Three Men and a Baby movies, both of them, um, Short Circuit, a couple of movies with them. Yeah, I think he had just finished the second Police Academy movie when this one started. He does provide the laughs. I mean he's there for that reason to some degree. I yeah. mean as much as Steve Gutenberg is funny, I mean he just – the um, well, when you when you're competing for laughs with Jessica Tandy, yeah, you know, I think it's right. I think it's probably going to be in your advantage. You know? I think what turns a lot of people off on this movie when they when they think about, it, and I think the first time I had a chance to see it back in the '80s, I didn't want to see it, even though I grew up in this county, um, because I thought it was a movie about old people, right? Yeah. And, I, and so t- inherently not interesting to a teenager. Well, I, I can understand that, but the thing is, what what happened in, in '85 though, when it did get released, is it did play, as they say, all four quadrants. Uh, you know, male, female, old, young, these kinds of things. Uh, there's something about this movie you can be turned off on the surface by the senior citizenry of the um, the themes, but uh, but w- when you get into it, you see that they have the same kind of urges and desires and dreams and aspirations, even if, if they're at the end of their lives. You know that a lot of people do right. today. Uh, so I, I think people, when they sit down and watch the movie, they they they're able to grasp that kind of of subtext right. to it. I, I mean, what really happens though that I guess the thing that turns everything around is the senior citizens are sneaking into a pool. They're trespassing into the pool next to the uh, retirement community that they uh, live in, which I believe still exists. It still exists. Yeah, the, it was the uh, the house belonged to a to a very wealthy couple here in town, uh, and uh, yeah, they they had an outdoor pool. The uh, cast and crew came in and built a temporary pool house, which you see in the movie is actually just you know balsa wood basically, and and you know a little bit a little bit of paper mache or something. Uh, but after they finished production and tore that down. The uh, the owners of the house actually built it, built rebuilt it permanently to spec. Right. So when when you when you go by on Bocasiega Bay, you can uh, sail by and actually see the cocoon house there. But by no means knock on the door. I wouldn't do that if I were you. They would they refuse to talk to me. That's unbelievable. I, I understand. I understand they they were the same way uh, twenty five years ago too. Wow. wow. So uh, they're they're a little bit uh, prickly about that perhaps. Now most of the people who act in this movie are not alive today. No, uh, the only one living is uh, Wilford Brimley, who I also got a chance to speak with. He was actually the first interview I did with this thing, um, and uh, it, it, I think that's what sort of got me uh, sparked up to to keep on following with, following through with some of the rest. Denny, he was the last one, right? And uh, Denny, he actually sort of closed my story for me too. So it, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's been a great little uh, little gig here. Um, all, all of uh, I think all of uh, Ron Howard's relatives appear in this movie, and mm-hmm. you have to have an eagle eye to spot his dad and his mom. Well, you uh, you you took a listen to the um, uh, Ron to the commentary that Ron Howard did with this. I love what he had to say about his brother. Ever reliable Clint. If you ever need an asshole, hire Clint Howard. Not because that's that's the way he is in life. <laughs> He's a great guy, <laughs> but. Uh, he does know how to bring those kind of guys honestly to the screen. I will say that. Obviously, having Clint Howard in a movie makes it feel like an '80s movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, ever since uh, Night Shift, I mean, there's just it's a telltale sign. If you see Clint Howard, it's probably a Ron Howard movie. But in a lot of ways, this is not. This doesn't feel like an '80s movie. And what makes you say that? For one, it doesn't. It lacks a soundtrack of any merit. Although it has the Michael Cimbello song, Gravity.
That's about the cheesiest song I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, I don't know where they, I think they just picked it. He didn't actually write it for the movie, I don't believe. I don't, but I don't know why they would pick that out of a group of songs either. No, well, but he had just come off of Flashdance, and so he was a hot name in Hollywood. Right, right. And so if, if Michael Cimbello comes to you in 1985 and says, I'd like to write a song for your movie, I think you say yes. And, of course, if George O. Maroder says that to you, then <laughs> you jump twice as fast. Right. You know, the, you say it, this doesn't feel like an 80s movie, but I, I have to disagree a little bit with that because I think what it has that, that a lot of 80s movies had is a sense of a sense of wonder that is tempered by or maybe embellished by the fact that we were so naive at that time. It was easier for us to believe in stuff. And I'm not talking about you know, aliens from out of space and those kinds of things, but movies that you talk about, like your Hughes movies and everything else, there's something that is out there that is possible, whether it's that girl sitting in the class across from you or you know, being that, that star jock or whatever it might be. Uh, there's, there's something out there that you still think is possible for you. And I think we've lost that a little bit. I think we've become a little bit more cynical perhaps in our, in our films and, and we and we look beyond what's the possible to try to find what the next impossible thing is that you can show us so i i, I would wow. disagree i would disagree a little bit with that you know from from a, a psychological sociological <laughs> standpoint like that i know i i think it's very much an 80s movie i think because it reflects that reagan era type of mentality you know that anything is out there anything is possible let me ask you this. What will be the legacy? I mean, obviously, a lot of other people will talk about this movie now that it's hit 25 years old. Does this movie have an enduring legacy in Hollywood and with um, filmmakers and film fans? I think it, for a while there, for a period at least, it did let an audience and let Hollywood know that it is possible to have a film that deals with people who are over the age of 40 and in this, in this case, over the age of 60, that can still be interesting. And, and you know, for the, After this movie, for a while, you didn't just see old people being characterized in movies as doddering old fools or you know, really profane, pistol-packing great-grandmothers and all this kind of stuff. There, there was a sense of dignity to theirs, a sense of, sense of, of uh, respect, but also an irreverence, too, because these guys, you, you, Wilford Brimley's uh, character, when they, when, they first, when they first get the uh, rejuvenation in the pool and everything else, and they, they all start getting erections. And what's, uh, what's Brimley's line? Blue steel. Blue steel. Cat couldn't scratch it. Right. Well, you hear that kind of line coming out of, a per- out of an old person's mouth. It's funny. You hear it delivered with that kind of sincerity and a little bit of wonder in his voice, too, because it hasn't happened to him in a long time. That shows depth and respect. So I think Cocoon, if nothing else, it, it, it set a template for the fact that you can make movies about older people, um, elderly, even aged people. Uh, and, you can, and you can do it with a sense of flair and humor and respect and all this kind of stuff. So it, it did change that for a while. I, and I think still today, if Hollywood was going to try to make a movie that dealt with a, a, a number of, old, of senior citizens like that, they would, it would be shorthand for them. We're going for a Cocoon feel here. Yeah, I, I think it's almost become an adjective in, in that way. And, and you, you saw that with uh, your, your opening clip with John Cusack, references with Friends and uh, on the TV show Friends and things like that. It has become sort of a, a simile for that kind of, of environment. Well done, my friend. Mr. Persall is a treasure trove of cinematic information. That guy is so immersed in the cocoon story now. Literally, you can ask him anything. He cried when I played him the montage. God, you made Persall cry? He cried That's in tough. front of my eyes. I've read his story, and it's fantastic. One great detail he left out with you is that the cicadas were so bad down here when they were filming Cocoon that before a scene, they would actually fire a gun. 
<laughs> fire a gun to, to, to freak out the cicadas. They'd get quiet. And they'd have two to three minutes to film before they started chirping again. So, uh, you know. Another interesting uh, tidbit he left out of his uh, interview with us today. Maureen Stapleton, who, who plays um, Wilford Brimley's wife said uh, eight weeks in St. Petersburg felt like eight years. Oh, that's not very nice. I know. It's not very nice, but oh, well. She used to go in clubbing? (laughs) She's What, the set was so much more exciting on Johnny Dangerously? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. There you go. I don't know why she's not. We should do a Michael Keaton show. How did I know that was coming? You know what we should really do? The Psychies. I miss the sound of reader mailbag, haven't you? We have so many letters, but we're going to carefully parse them out each week. So today's letters, we have one that really, really embraces us, loves us. But the first one, Steve, it's extremely caustic. I know you get very upset. You're very sensitive. <laughs> You're the sensitive of the two of us. I cried when I read it. Um, it's from Mark in New Jersey. Mark's uh, not happy. With the Stuck in the 80s show. Are you ready? Dear Sean and Spears, I get first billing. Dubious first billing on this one. I gladly can see it. <laughs> Dear Sean and Spears, I used to like you guys, but your last podcast about NWA ticked me off. Don't say you have no letters because you don't like the suggestions. None of my suggestions ever get considered. I suggested the Guitar Gods podcast. Nothing. That's fine. Spears likes to push synth-pop artists whose songs you barely remember because he likes to be the quote-unquote, I'm so obscure geek. What do you say about that, huh? (sighs) (laughs) You know, some listeners don't listen to songs of regret you cried alone to in your gremlin. (laughs) You did a solid month on Corey Haim. Corey Haim! Where's the Ronnie James Dio podcast? (laughs) I'm glad Todd Bridges wasn't in town when you did your Brian Johnson interview. Wow. That's a great line, too. I'll give him that one. Mark in New Jersey is funny. Oh, wait. No, he's not. Daily, quit phoning in shows. What the F is that? (laughs) Unless your lack of involvement is because Spears is so far up himself, he doesn't think he needs you. He's trying to cause a rift. So what is it? Have you both become the new Siskel and Ebert so egoed out that you can't be productive? Is the bromance over? Don't let the listener down. Or you know what? Just stop the podcasts. Here's what I think. Spears just wants to do the stuff he wants. If girls on Facebook like it, hey, even better. Because he thinks he's the star anyways. (laughs) Daly is kind of bored. And by bored, I mean hungover. (laughs) And too busy to be bothered. What the? What does that mean? Too busy. I'm busy. I'm busy, but I love Stuck in the 80s. Have we jumped the shark, boys? Let me guess. Now, he wrote... The funny thing is he wrote this to us before episode 200. Have we jumped the shark? Let me guess. The next podcast will be a very special Stuck in the 80s, a clip show. Ding, 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 ding. Mark in New Jersey. <laughs> Mark in New Jersey. Wow. This wine cooler's for you, dude. Spears just wants to do the stuff he wants. If girls on Facebook like it, even better, because he thinks he's the star <laughs> anyways. Wow. I would never say that. No. Daly's kind of bored and too busy to be bothered. That hurts. The hungover thing is just... 
Uh, the two of us, you are the far more frequently hungover. If you were ever friend. hungover during a show, it was the Red Scare show. Yeah, we record on Saturday morning. Yeah, I know. That was it. I'm, I'm barely sober right, all right now. Let's, let's, uh, all right. Mark, New Jersey. Okay. Look. He's allowed. People are allowed to have their of course. opinions. We present it. a piece of art. For the most part, dogs playing and, poker, and I'm a critic, and I wouldn't be much of a you know much of a critic if I couldn't take criticism in return. Right. So please don't bash on Mark in New Jersey. Uh, maybe he has some valid points. Do you think you're the star, Steve? No. Do you think I'm just like uh, parsley on your plate? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Okay, here's the happy letter. Dear Steve, Kathy, and other co-hosts, what the? F- what is that crap? What the happy letters? I don't get. I don't get mentioned. I'm not even done listening to your 200th show, but I feel the need to write while it's fresh. I've listened to every single show, and now I've gone back to the beginning and re-downloaded the archives to listen to while I wait for new shows. You guys have been with me almost every time I drive my car for the last five years. I've been trying to think of a way to let you guys know how much the show means to me and probably most of your fans, except for Mark in New Jersey. (laughs) When a new show pops up on iTunes, I just can't wait to download and listen to it. You guys have become ingrained in my DNA. I was trying to think of all these things to say, but they all sounded too contrived and verbose. So let me just say this. You guys make me happy. Here's the 200 more, and I'll see you in Vegas. Tommy Doucette in L.A. P.S. Steve, a special thanks to you for having this idea with Gina. I really can't believe I've been listening for five years. To this day, it is the only podcast I listen to. Thanks again and congratulations. And I should say that, that Tommy did include my name in the. Of course he did. Yeah, in the in the Because you're the real star of the show. Oh, shut up! I'm too bored to be the star. I hung over. <laughs> um, so thank you, Tommy, uh, in L.A. and thank you, Mark, in New Jersey. Two very very good letters, very different letters, but we appreciate uh, the response. Uh, the The mailbag is full again, is it, Steve? It is. It is awesome. Full of really great suggestions that we'll be taking to heart. <laughs> And I think uh, Mark sent his plane reservations for Vegas as well. I would love for Mark to come out and we could sit down and have a uh, – uh, we talk about talk this out. Because for him to feel uh, so wounded and betrayed by us, he essentially must, betrayed by us. He must really care. He must really care about this show. We, let, we, we brought him up, 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 and then he feels like we have dropped him somewhere sharp. very sharp you know so uh we apologize we think episode i'd like to hear what mark even though it was a clip show mark's opinion on episode 200 because people really seem to enjoy it right yeah so mark yeah come out to vegas tommy will be in vegas i will be in las vegas yes you will stephen q spears will be in las vegas sons must i believe as of this recording 18 people are confirmed for Las Vegas, and we still have two months to go yeah. until we head out. Anything's possible. Um, the, just uh, to let people know again. Um, August 13th through 15th. It's August 13th. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Come out whatever days you want. I mean, some people are coming out a little early. Some people are coming out a little later. It's um, The concert is the Lost 80s concert at Mandalay Bay. That's just the reason for going. Eight bands in one night. I thought I was the reason for going. Oh, by the way, I love it on our Facebook page, and please go join our Facebook page. How you have the like the the the, the Spearsy girls, what you know, and they're like, we don't care about Sean, we just want to go and hang out with you. Nobody it's so said that. No, you know what? You're such a giant baby that uh, don't, don't give me those eyes. Don't give Nobody me the eyes. Bull stuff. crap! Like two of your like little girlfriends on there. Like we don't care about Sean. Like trying to bring me down, man. 
What? Like, oh, because you're like, oh, no one cares, and I'm going. Now Sean's going. And so you see, you do it. You do it. Look at that smile. It's like, and so then the girls have to say, like, we don't care about Sean. And that hurt. You know what? I have feelings, too, you know. But you're too busy to have feelings. <laughs> crap. That's crap, Spears. And you do that. You know what? You hang me out to dry like that. Now everyone will want to go because Sean's going. And you know what? You're just waiting for those girls, like the little the little Spearsy girls. I know, wish I had a better nickname for them. You know what? It's the Spearsettes. Spearsettes. <laughs> I ain't going to catch on. You know what? It's almost like the opposite of a C block, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's Instead like of buying you, I create space. It's genius. It is. You're like Merlin. You're the Merlin <laughs> Blocking. Like you put out, yeah, like, hey, look at Sean Daly. Everybody, no, Steve, we want you. Oh, we don't care about Sean. You know, and yet they don't take my feelings into account because maybe I put on a facade of bravado. But it's inside, a facade. <laughs> inside, I'm a wounded boy. Anyway, sorry. Um, anyway, we have a suite. Yeah, Mandalay Steve, Bay. Steve has rented a suite for everyone to hang out in over the course of the weekend. You, you don't um, have to stay with us in Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay is pricey. I mean, it's yeah. worth it, but it's pricey. We stay are next door to Luxor. But, um, you know, unfortunately, you got to pay your own way to fly out and, and get a hotel. But uh, Las Vegas in August? <laughs> Uh, they, make it about kind of, it. they make it kind of cheap for you. But we will have a suite for meet and greets and for everyone to hang out. And uh, there will be refreshments. I'm sure. I'm sure. Wild turkey. Um, and you're, you know, and heck, you're, we, you know, we want you guys to hang out with us in the casino. You know, I'm, Steve's not a huge gambler. I am. Um, you know, we'll go to, to bars and we'll all have fun. And you can do whatever you want. Don't feel obligated to hang out with us. But we would love to uh, see everybody. I got myself my own private room for the after, did. for the after room. party. Yeah, I bet you did. You know, maybe I can lure one of the spears. I bet you're handing there. out specially laminated VIP passes. I you? might be having an after after party. Yeah, son of a bitch. No, the spearsettes. They'll be like, oh no, we don't want to go. We want to hang out with Spearsy. No, it won't happen that way. If you pull a Merlin on, <laughs> and I'm gonna be pissed. We should be saying the Excalibur. Oh, we could have, too. Yeah, for like, they pay us to stay there. No kidding. Caliber. No kidding. Too many kids. Anyway, so come on out. And if you need more information, you can email Steve. Yeah, just Or you can bug us on uh, on Facebook. But, uh, you know, I didn't go on the last one. And now I'm really, really excited about this Vegas trip. We've talked, uh, you know, we, we might do some paper-involved things. I'm not sure. Uh, but it should be a really, really good time. And if you ladies are wondering, or you guys are wondering, it's so far it's pretty equal. It started out as a sausage hang, right? And now I believe that we it's just had a—is it a bachelorette party or something? Just signed on. No, four, four women. Girls. Yeah, it'll be fifty-fifty. It'll be fine. Tell me about these girls who just signed on. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> are they Merlin? <laughs> refuses to. Are they Spearsettes? I bet they are. No. Don't set it no, up so fans. much that the fans of the te- they're team players. Are you are such a d- <laughs> team player. All right, let's move on. It's going to work out great. Fine. Ready? You make everything miserable. Ooh. 201. Miserable. No, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like Mr. Party Boy out English there in Vegas. But no, I was really hurt in all seriousness by these two women who are like, we don't care about you. you we're all we care about is spiritually. It's like, why would somebody say something like that? Why would somebody cry? Look, I'm just a little boy inside. Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest line ever. Okay, let's move on. What's happening, hot stuff? Uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. And uh, likewise, we haven't had one of these in a while. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to really look back and find this. out what it was. God, when's the last time we recorded an actual show? You and me? Yeah. Ooh, it's been a couple months. Can we give them some teases about stuff we're working on? Yeah, Weird Poss- Al Yankovic. What Weird Al we have coming up? 
Um, no longer a GoGo's interview happening since they canceled let me their ask, tour. Let me ask our, our listeners. I have a shot at getting Robert Plant. Is Robert Plant uh, an interview you'd like to hear as part of Stuck in the Eight? <laughs> you can't make – no? You don't want Robert Plant? I don't. Talk cool one? Ugh. Big Log? Come on. <laughs> that was your nickname in junior high. The Big Log. Uh, that unfortunate boys room incident. Yeah, well. <laughs> bear, 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 bear. You don't want Robert Plant? I want to hear listener reaction. Yeah. If they Even some of the Spearsettes were like, ooh. But only if Spearsy interviews them. Great. Furious at the Spearsettes. Pay attention. Here was the last show's mystery clip. Uh, well, where I work, we have only one editorial rule. You can't write anything longer than the average person can read during the average crap. <laughs> yeah, that's the big chill, which uh, easily one of my least favorite. Yeah, I'm not a real big chill fan either. It, you know, it's, we're getting like, into the 200s with show numbers, and I'm pulling out big chill clips and stuff like that. Yeah, when I saw the big chill, I'm like, please, dear God, don't let my life turn out like that. Funny thing is, it's so much worse. Oh, that's not true. At least we're not living in Michigan. The whole thing takes place in Michigan. Oh, I don't even know. I didn't stick around oh, long man. enough. Uh, nobody won, though, Steve. It's too bad. Go ahead and read them. All right. The winners. Come on. I'm trying to. <laughs> and the winners are John Shaggy Mitchell in Hanover, Hanover, Pennsylvania. Hanover, the home of Utz potato chips. Do you know that? You ever had Utz potato chips? No. You're making up now. No, I'm not. How about uh, Really? They're at Utz? The crab chip? <laughs> now you're really making stuff up. No, the Utz crab chip. There are people out there who are like, Sean's right, it's delicious. Anyway, John Shaggy Mitchell won. Tim Whitney. Diane Parapetti. Ooh, and Jessica Cousman Sloan of Westford, Massachusetts. And she says, hi, Sean Daly. The Apple Blossom Parade Carnival was this past Saturday. Westford remains the same. Westford, of course, was the town that raised me, that built this handsome man you see before you. And the irony is that Jessica Sloan's father was my dentist growing up, and I just went to the dentist today. Was he really? Yeah. You're not just making this up? No. Dr. The crab chip? Dr. Cousman. He, it was totally different. That was, the crab chip was later on in oh, life. Hard yeah, Dr. Cousman, he was great. Except the first time he checked me out, I had like 12 cavities. Oh, God. I sent Jessica to college with my mouth. What? Oh, wait, that's, <laughs> sorry, wait. That's, so no, true. no, 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 no. No, Westford Mass, my youth. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, okay, I ruined that. Thank you, Jessica. I miss Westford. Tell everybody I said hi. And pay attention because here's this week's mystery clip. No, in 10 minutes it's history. At 4 o'clock I'm a dinosaur. If you know it, email us at stuckinitiesattempe.com and then tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. We will play a snippet of a song from the 80s, and if you can get it right, um, Sean will tell you how he sent uh, somebody up. else's daughter to college. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I can't get that out of my head now. Thank you. Pay attention. Here was last show's mystery clip. That's The Ghost in You by the Psychedelic Furs. Where you've used that song like fifty uh, times. I love the. the it's furs. a great song. I missed a chance to see them. They're touring right now. They're it annoys the me tour. when you say the furs. Really? Why? I don't know. It just bothers me when you say that. The furs. What, what would you have me call them, Sean? 
I don't know. That bothered me right there. I'm not sure why. <laughs> okay. The whole Merlin thing. I just, you know, I'm so mad you're right now. When I look at you, you're wearing like a giant Merlin hat. I probably could in Vegas. Oh, that'd be great to bring. Oh, the Spearsettes would love it. <gasps> He's wearing his Merlin hat. Maybe he'll show me his wand. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go poke Sean with sharp sticks. Name some of the winners, Sean. Yes. This week's winners of Name That 80s Tune include Andy Wendell in Minneapolis, Navy Austin, Deanna in Sacramento, Angie Jones of Baltimore, Maryland, Miss M in Kissimmee, Florida. That's Kissimmee. Oh, sorry. Kissimmee. 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 Whatever. It's far away. It's like 20 minutes. 90 minutes from here. Jonathan Smith in Hudson, Massachusetts. Sarah in Massachusetts. And Valmont God in Brooklyn, New York. Damn, that is a great nickname. Valmont God. That is good. That'd be a good band name. Is that better than Jesus Donkey? In a way, they're kind of like opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, I don't want to put them. I don't want to put them against each other. No. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuckinthees at tampa.com because Valmont God is ready to call you. Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly like to be. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. P-P-T-M-N. <sighs> I've been hearing that song uh, on the radio a lot. Yeah. And I prefer our version. I do, too. La- a lot lately. It was never one of my favorite Duran Duran songs. It's not bad. <sighs> I can um, take it or leave it. But no, I do, I do like our version better. Um, so we have some question, mystery question today? Yes, today's PPTMN. It's from Dennis it's from in Germany. Dennis in Germany. Maybe he knows Jeff in Germany. Jeff really left us high and dry. Did we hear from Jeff after featuring him on episode number 200? He's really busy. You're making alibis. Strange. You throw me under the bus, but everyone else you bail out. Strange adventures in Germany, I say. Really? Okay. Uh, boys, in any movie you watched from the 80s, did you ever feel that a song that was used in a certain scene ruined the movie for you? So a great movie and the song is played and it ruined it for you. Steve, inappropriate soundtrack. Uh, two, two come to mind. I'm going to catch grief for this, I realize. Um, que sera, sera. What? In Heather's. Sly Stone? Why? Dude, it's a classic. But why? Because it comes at the end as existential blues. Oh, it's awful. It's just, that whole movie sucks to begin with. It's, it's, it's that, the nihilism, that. the nihilism of Christian Slater's character. There's not enough... Other nihilistic songs in the 80s to pick from, you gotta pick K Sera Sera. It's a cover of a Doris Day song by Sly Stone. I don't care what it is. Sly, baby. It's stupid. You know what? You are soulless. It ruins it. You know what? The Spearsettes can have you. I don't even want them anymore. Yes, I do. (laughs) From number 1407. Um, The other one that comes to mind, um, I don't like old-time rock and roll and risky business. And I know that's like an iconic moment. Jesus. I don't like Seeger. Here's the thing. I'm not crazy about that song either. But it's representative 
of a young boy who has his, a Michigan boy who has his, or Illinois, I guess it would be, <laughs> who has his parents' house for the weekend. They're not there. It's the cheesiness of youth. And the most rebellious song he can think of is Bob Seger's old-time rock and roll, which is perfect for him to slide around in his socks and underpants and, and, and feel a sense of teen anarchy. Mm. Well, you know what my song is? I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Playing with the boys from Top Gun. Why? Because, you know, I'm enjoying this movie, and it's really macho, and I'm enjoying Kelly Willis, or whatever her name is, <laughs> Kelly McGillis. And all of a sudden, this bizarrely homoerotic scene shows up of these lathered young men. I feel stirrings in my <laughs> in my animals. No, I, I, no, I didn't really feel stirrings. But it was very like, what? And Logan's like playing with the boys. He might as well be, you know, singing <laughs> the song. The boys, singing know. the song in knee pads. It was like, <laughs> it was, I have nothing against, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but the whole thing, it just took me out of it. Playing with the boys. This song, and Grant, I'll give you the fact that it's it's, it's a difficult scene to watch. <laughs> no, a, I mean the the guys are in incredibly good but shape, but it's very homoerotic. The song doesn't ruin the scene. You know, it's I, I mean the scene was obviously to draw women in. Women are going to enjoy right. Iceman's pecs. He's got nice pecs. He's got nice pecs. But the whole thing for me it was playing with the boys. It was just all very he. You know, he sang in a very high pitched tone. And I love Kenny, Kenny Loggins. Loggins. He's a friend. Like our, of, our best. Friend. I know he's a friend of the Stuck in the Eighties. And I'm so glad that my suggestion to make his interview one of our top ten of all time in episode new two hundred work. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to me. That is a great interview. It's a great interview. In retrospect, it was like number eleven, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Or or number. I would have bumped it in favor of that stupid hair metal show that everyone loves. Yeah, I don't know. We had a lot of good ones. We had a lot of good ones. I know, and it was, the fans chose, and, and the fans speak louder than. So I haven't have. seen this video you put up of Show Two Hundred. You haven't seen it? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's the scene where um, somebody says you can almost see my uh, my gazats. They can see you playing with your boys. Oh, do I play with them? Yeah, you sort of you're thinking <laughs> <Do> about I... <laughs> it. <laughs> really. Am I hovering in my yeah, bathing suit you're doing, area? You're doing oh, that's, I didn't know that the, the camera was running. Yeah, the whole show. The uh, Dave Morrison, the maestro, filmed, I think, a great portion of Show 200. Oh, great. And he also filmed a behind-the-scenes look at the Spears Lair. Oh, which is, was hilarious. Yeah, well, except for the... We think it's hilarious. At that point, we had had a little bit to drink. Have I don't you, know how funny it really is. Have you watched it? I'm afraid to. It's got to be funny. I thought it was really good. That whole scene with the knee pads... Yeah, and playing with the boys. Yeah, <laughs> on the, on the CD player. The irony was just yeah, it's quite flipped. ironic. No, the um. So we have that. I want to see the tour of the Spears <laughs> Lair. <laughs> it's the scene. No, the the clip is on our Facebook page. It's somewhere around there. We'll put it on the blog eventually. But it's you telling the story about having your balls X-rayed in Vegas. Oh right, which makes no sense whatsoever. It's just an incoherent story. No, it's and not. Then, and, and then, right and then the I middle, fired an Uzi. Right. Whacked out on uh, pain uh, right. painkillers, and you asked me after the show, "Was that story real?" I'm like, "Of course it was real." I just can't believe in five years I haven't heard it. And then, dude, dude I have so many story, more stories because you know it's all about you. You're the star of the me. show. It's no, you never me. let me tell my own stories. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle of the story, Nick the cat jumps up <laughs> and tears off across the room. Yeah. Nick understood the pain I, I'd <laughs> yeah, gone through. I'm sure he does. <laughs> Good evening, 
Stuck in the 80s Nation. This is the general speaking, Doug Arthur from Albany, New York. And I just wanted to let you all know that the new Devo album is out and it is awesome. Go out and get it now. Duty now, spuds. And I will always be stuck in the 80s. So Vegas it is. Yeah, come on out. Month and a half to go. Um, you can buy the tickets great. for the concert on Ticketmaster.com. Do a search for Lost 80s. They're still for sale. General admission, so you can still kind of hang with us. And I think here's my idea. When we're out there, we will keep constant updates on uh, the Stuck in the 80s Facebook page. Right. If you want. We, we both have uh, Twitter accounts, too. Um, and so you'll always know where we are. What restaurant, what bar. If you want to come hang with us, we'll give you our room number. <laughs> Um, not my room number, <laughs> only if you're good. Uh, and the, you know, and the suite number. And yeah, just come out and have fun. It'll be good. It'll be a lot. Of, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I talk about it all the time now. And the forever fiance, she won't be going with me, but she trusts me. And she's like, "Oh, Steve will watch after you." I'm like, "Spears, did she say that?" Yeah, she thinks wow. you're like good. I know you have her. You have the world bamboozled. Hey, no, that's not true. I, I swear to Christ, I, she was wearing a Spearsette shirt the other day. I'm like, "What the hell's that?" She's like, "Oh, I don't know where this came from." And the matching thong. I didn't like that at all. With your face smiling down there, <laughs> it says, "Dare I say, classic?" <laughs> you got a mustache. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're just we're, oh, we're, we're, we're all right. Well, the abyss. <laughs> Hey, special thanks to Steve Persaw for uh, for giving us the inside scoop. Yes, on the Cocoon. And co- go to uh, check out TampaBay.com to read his story as well. It's there. In the meantime, myself, Sean Daly, Steve Persaw, Wilford Brimley. Yes, the great Wilford Brimley. <laughs> we remain here, firmly stuck in the 80s. Vegas or bust, baby. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. I sent Jessica to college with my mouth. What? Wait, that's, <laughs> sorry, wait. That's, so no, true. No, 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 no.